boys and girls. This is Miss Kathy. We're in the middle of the Christmas season, and we thought we'd bring you some stories from Guide's Greatest Christmas Stories. After the Christmas season, we'll be returning to our regularly scheduled shoebox mystery books. Christmas is a special time of year, a time to celebrate the birth of baby Jesus, who was born in a stable. Shepherds, after being serenaded by angels, rushed over to find the baby lying in a manger. Wise men, carrying gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, followed a bright star until it led them to the baby king. What about you? Will this Christmas bring you closer to Jesus? I hope so, and I hope that the Jesus of Christmas will live in your heart throughout the year. Helen Lee Robinson, Editor Sharing Christmas by Kay Warwick When Angela ran for a long time, her breathing grew heavy and she felt a pain in her side. This happened now, and she reluctantly slowed down to a walk. She was eager to get home about the same time as her father, because she hoped this would be the day they would go out and buy their Christmas tree. All the nicest trees will be gone if we don't get ours soon, she thought. Angela lived in a little South Texas town, where there was never any snow. But although the sun shone brightly and the thermometer sometimes reached 80 degrees Fahrenheit in December, it was still possible to get into the Christmas spirit. Buying the tree was a task that had fallen to Angela and her father. It was a lot of fun, she thought, going from place to place, studying, rejecting, and finally choosing the perfect tree. And then the trimming of it made a festive evening, with helpful friends dropping in and fruitcake and hot chocolate for everybody. Getting ready for Christmas was almost as much fun as Christmas itself. Angela turned in at her own driveway, ran up on the porch, stepped over two sleeping kittens, and hurried into the house. I'm home, she called. Dad, I'm ready. She knew her father was home because his red pickup was in the driveway. You're early, Angela, her father said, coming out of the kitchen. What are you ready for, honey? You know, she said. Quit teasing me, Dad. I'm ready to go pick our tree. Father's hand dropped to his side. I'm sorry, Angela, but we can't possibly go this afternoon. Angela frowned. Why not, she demanded. I have another job to do, one that's more important. He stopped and looked at his daughter, a pout on her lips. He frowned slightly as he went on. I'm going to take the truck and deliver some Christmas packages for the city welfare department. Boxes of food, clothing, and toys for some of our town's needy families. But, Dad, all the best trees will be gone. You never did this before. Why do you have to do it? I don't, Father answered patiently. They asked for volunteers among the city employees, so naturally I volunteered. I thought the least I could do was help those who are not as fortunate as we are. His tone was definite and determined, and Angela realized there was no use arguing. She turned away disappointed. Then her father's hand touched her shoulder and gently pulled her back. Come along and help me. No, I don't want to, Angela cried. But when she saw disappointment in her father's eyes, she forced a little smile and said, All right, I'll go with you. As Angela climbed into the pickup with her father, she thought hopefully, Maybe we'll get through in time to go choose our tree after all. Maybe if I help, we can hurry and get done more quickly. She settled herself on the seat and planned to hurry up the disagreeable, tiresome chore as much as she could. When they arrived downtown at the welfare office, Angela was surprised to see a large number of trucks and station wagons already there. She helped by picking up some baskets and boxes and putting them in the back of their truck. When they couldn't get any more in, Father got a list of addresses for Mrs. Crowell, head of the welfare department. Father handed the list to Angela and started the motor. You can tell me the addresses as I drive, he suggested. All of our deliveries are down in the blue bonnet section. Angela nodded and studied the list. 
Next to each address was the family's name along with the number of children and adults in the family and specifying whether they were boys or girls and their ages. They went to a lot of work to make out these lists, didn't they, she said. They sure did. Each box is labeled with the family's name and address, and the contents are planned carefully according to the family's needs. Dad, where do they get all the stuff that goes in the boxes? Angela asked. She'd seen toys and fruit in interestingly wrapped packages protruding from some of the cartons and baskets. Most of the city merchants give donations. Your mother saved toys and clothing all year for us to give. The fire department repaired and painted toys for months so these children would have toys. Do you mean to say, Angela, that you didn't know all this was going on? Father shot her a keen glance. Angela shook her head. I I guess I just never noticed, never thought about the poor people here in town. Father sighed. We have a lot of them, too many. The drought and the mechanical cotton pickers put a lot of people out of work. They have to go on welfare. That afternoon's project was an experience Angela knew she would never forget. Although she had lived in this small town all her life, she had never really known how some of the people had to live. She helped carry packages and baskets into tiny two-room houses where 8 to 15 people were living. Sometimes she had to brace herself against the odor. There were beds and mattresses crowded from wall to wall. Most of them didn't have sheets, just torn and dirty blankets. Angela was surprised that the people didn't always seem pleased to see them, but most of the women and children smiled and thanked them again and again. This is the last house, Angela. You can stay in the truck, her father said, smiling at her. You've been a big help. I can get this last box. He stopped the truck and jumped out. Angela watched as he picked up a huge carton and swung it easily onto his shoulder. As Angela's father strode across the dirt-packed front yard toward the unpainted shack, a small boy appeared from behind it. He ran across the yard and flung himself upon father, grabbing him tightly about one leg. Father stopped and grinned down at him. Angela thought the boy must be about four years old. She smiled, too. He was really cute under all that dirt. There were black satin curls around his well-shaped head, and large brown eyes overflowed with emotion and excitement. I've been waiting for you, he shrilled. They said you were coming with toys for me and good things to eat. Angela's father gently patted the child's head. Yes, young fellow, I have some things for you and your family. I know who you are, the little boy said earnestly. Angela's father frowned. You do? Well, who am I? Angela leaned out of the car window to listen. The little boy's voice throbbed with conviction and ecstasy. You're Santa Claus, aren't you? Huh? Aren't you? Angela's father stood still for a moment. The small arms released him, and Angela saw her father swallow twice. Then he said quietly, I hope so, son. I guess maybe I am. Angela blinked her eyes against a sudden prickling behind her eyelids. She couldn't speak. When her father climbed back into the truck after taking the carton into the house, she still didn't say a word. Reaching over, she tucked her hand companionably into the curve of her father's arm, and they drove home together in a contented but very thoughtful silence. It wasn't until several hours later that Angela realized she'd completely forgotten about buying the tree. Suddenly, it didn't seem important anymore. The story you have heard today is from Guide's Greatest Christmas Stories, a compilation from various writers for Guide magazine edited by Helen Lee Robinson, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. As our special gift to you, we will be sharing one of these stories every day between now and Christmas. 
If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. 